0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. This is Sports Power Talk on 88.1. My name is Jeff Longville. I'll be the host of your show today. I am joined by my analyst, Logan Congrove. What's up? Logan, I understand you have some important news you'd like to share with the audience today.
1: I do. I just wanted to send a quick congratulations to my Walsh Jesuit girls soccer team for a fantastic season advancing all the way to the state final. Thank you for having me as a part of your team this season, and congrats once again.
0: Love to see it. Love to see it. We've got a pretty good show for you guys today. Um, we're going to preview Week 10 in the NFL, as well as recap some college football from yesterday, talk about the Cavs and the success they've been having early on this season. But first, we're going to start with some college basketball, as they did start up this week. Uh, and we're going to start by... Uh, talking about Akron and the start that they've had the first two games of the season. Uh, their very first game took place in Columbus at Ohio State. And I'm not going to lie. Um, as an Ohio State fan, that game almost gave me a heart. It was scary. Yeah, scary game. Very scary. Um, first of all, uh, I just want to say... Uh, Akron probably deserved to win that game. In all honesty, they played with much more effort, um, created second-chance opportunities for themselves, uh, as well as won the 50-50 balls. They made their free throws. Ohio State did not. Um, And you know what? Uh, I think Akron's going to be just fine this year.
1: I think so, too. I think, honestly, they have a pretty good shot to win the MAC. I think that they have a pretty strong roster. A lot of new a lot of new guys on the squad, and if they're able to play like that against a team like Ohio State, I think they have a chance to definitely dominate the conference.
0: Right, right. And um, for the sake of my team, um, I really do hope that Akron wins the max so that way that this one right. win looks a little bit better than it does right now. Um, so in case you missed the game, um, Ohio State was up by three uh, within – like the final final seconds or so. Uh, back and forth game, um, throughout most of the game, we go up by three. And then Ali Ali hits an and one three-pointer with like six seconds left. And I'm thinking to myself, he hits the free throw afterwards, and I'm thinking to myself, we're, we're not going to win this game. Like we're going to lose. And I was especially like on edge because... I have been doing a little bit of talking leading up to this point with, you know, zips fans and whatnot, especially with our lovely director, Kyle Molinelli. And Kyle and I, we had a gentleman's bet. We had a one dollar bet on the outcome of the game, as well as an additional dollar for every ten points the winner won by. Okay. So I'm I'm heading into the game thinking I'm gonna get like at least three dollars, right? Right. Well I got one (laughs) dollar. which is better than not having to give up a dollar, I guess. But after that and-one-three, I'm thinking, all right, I have to give Kyle a dollar, and I'm going to be super upset about it. Because, like, you know, Ohio State, 17th-ranked team in the nation. I've been talking all this all this stuff about Akron, and it's going to blow up in my face. But uh, we end up inbounding the ball to our freshman, Malachi Branham, and a, a terrific play got the ball to Zed Kier Center, who laid it in. To go up by one point in the final seconds. And I was absolutely relieved that that happened. Like, you don't understand how good I felt after that
1: I know all Ohio State fans there took a big exhale.
0: Right, absolutely. Um, But again, like I said, Akron, given that they went toe to toe with a team that's ranked 17th in the nation, I think they're going to be fine. And then uh, last night, uh, scored 102 points on Point Park. <laughs> Not, not to discredit the zips or anything, but Point Park does not have a logo on any source that I've looked up.
1: Point Park is located in downtown Pittsburgh, but not a very prominent school. That's definitely for sure.
0: Right, right. Uh, so they won 102-46 last <laughs> night over Point Park. Uh, let's see here.
1: I actually sent that score over to one of my friends from high school named Haley that goes to Point Park. And I said, do you guys even exist? And she snapped me back and said, kind of, not really.
0: Kind of, not really. Uh, Based off of what I know, it's pretty accurate to me. Uh, So let's see. Enrique Freeman, 18 points, 14 rebounds. Um, Xavier Castaneda, 17 points. And Mikael Dawson with 12 points, relatively balanced scoring for the Zips. And like I said, based off of you know the very small sample size that we've seen this year, I think they have a good chance to do something in the MAC, and maybe even you know if they win the MAC, obviously they'll make it to the NCAA tournament. So maybe we'll see them there for the first time since I've been here. At
1: least that'd be pretty cool. I think. They definitely have a chance to pull some upsets if they get there, and like I said, I think they can run the MAC if they continue to play consistent like that.
0: Right, right, absolutely. Um, so now let's go ahead and move on to um, what Ohio State has been doing so far this year. Uh, it hasn't looked pretty. I'm not gonna not gonna lie, has not looked pretty. Obviously, the one point uh, game winner against Akron was quite stressful. Sixty seven to sixty six. What I've seen so far is. E.J. Liddell is our only consistent player on offense. He's responsible for over one-third of our total points through our first two games. Um, also, a big problem is last year we had two really great floor generals and C.J. Walker and Dwayne Washington Jr., and now they both have moved on from Columbus. Right. Uh, we brought in a lot of new pieces, guys like Jamari Wheeler transferred from Penn State. Malachi Branham is our freshman. Uh, went to St. V. Really? Same school as LeBron.
1: The Uh, next LeBron, right right here in Ohio.
0: (laughs) Hopefully. Uh, Joey Brunk transferred from Indiana. Cedric Russell transferred from Louisiana. So we got a lot of new guys we got to incorporate into our team. And then we're asking players who had a really small role last year to play a much bigger role this year, like Michi Johnson. And then we're also working on a lot of our guys getting healthy. Kyle Young missed the first game. Justice Sewing's working his way back to full health. Towns is currently recovering from injury. Um, So we definitely have a lot of work to do, but I do believe that as time goes on and all these new pieces and all these returning pieces get healthy and comfortable, I do believe we have all the right pieces to be a national title contending team. Just right now, we got a lot of work to do. Um, We did bounce back a little bit against Niagara on... When was that? That was on Friday. 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 Uh, One by ten still kind of tight for an unranked team. Right, right. Um, But uh, the silver lining here is Niagara only uh, lost to Xavier, who we do play uh, in a little bit by two. Okay. that does give me that gives me a some, little... Right, some confidence. So, I do expect that Ohio State is going to drop in the, uh, the rankings a little bit. I don't think we're going to be unranked, but I can see us falling somewhere within like, the 20 range.
1: I could see that, yeah. And I think we have the right coach to be able to put us in that position. I think Chris Holtman has a lot of experience with young guys, and I think he definitely knows how to build a team the way that he wants it, right, even obviously. if it might take a second to get it going.
0: Right. Big Chris Holtman fan. All he's done is win. You know, He's had his ups and downs with uh, this program, but he's been able to figure it out this far. Yeah. he able to do it again. Um, so let's cover, let's talk about college basketball more as a whole. On um, a Friday night, uh, UCLA took on Villanova. team's ranked both second and fourth in the nation, respectively. Fantastic game! If you missed it, Went the overtime, uh, UCLA was down, came back to tie it, and then um, was able to take the lead late and get out of there with a victory. Uh, UCLA, in my opinion, is my pick to win uh, the national championship. Really? Yeah, uh, I think what they did last year, um, coming in as a as a playing team, as an and then making it all the way to the the Final Four and came a Jalen Suggs buzzer-beater away from potentially making it to the national title game. Uh, I think they got a lot of upside this year. Uh, We've got a lot of great returning guys, guys like Johnny Juzang, Tiger Campbell, Amei Jaquez, i uh, go ahead and throw in Jules Bernard. Um, Miles Johnson transferred from Rutgers. I think they got a fantastic squad this year. And in my opinion, are going to be the national champions come April.
1: That's a pretty plausible pick. I'm looking at the box score from that game, and it looks like they have a lot of guys that are scoring in the 20s, too, which is definitely going to work in their favor if they can continue that, having all of their starters score that many points on a nightly basis. That'll definitely propel them to a couple more wins.
0: Right, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and again, do this against, come back against the number four team in the nation, Villanova. We all know how good
1: Villanova is. is a pretty storied game. program, so Right. That's a pretty good win for them.
0: And it wasn't UCLA, but still, uh, they were down double figures at one point. They fought all the way back, uh, tied the game at the end of regulation, won over overtime. Very impressive. Very impressive. UCLA. Um, and then last night we had a top another top five matchup. Uh, number one Gonzaga hosted number five Texas in a game that wasn't as close as I would have liked it to have been. Uh, obviously, we know Gonzaga is currently the best team in the nation. Uh, Scores eighty six to seventy four, but the game did not feel that close at all. If you actually watched it, no,
1: not at all. And Drew Timmy went off.
0: Drew Timmy is the best player in college basketball.
1: Drew Timmy is fantastic.
0: There is, there is nobody better in college basketball than Drew Timmy. He's is... of nineteen from the field, thirty seven points. He
1: is absolutely an NBA talent. I don't care what anybody says; he has an NBA future on a team.
0: Absolutely. And he was doing a lot of uh, a lot of expressing himself last night It's all the <laughs> it's Kind of and, uh, his mo. Right, right. Um, I actually kind of thought it was pretty funny, to be honest. He's hilarious. Right. I think so too. Um, obviously, a big reason I was intrigued to watch the game is not only because it's the top five matchup, but to see the guy that a lot of people are projecting to be the number one pick in next year's draft, Chet Holgram play. Uh, and can I just say that it gives me a lot of confidence knowing that I can. Outperform Chet Holmgren in any weight-related exercise, <laughs> like any of them. Like, you can tell that Chet Holmgren has never worked out a day in his life. Definitely not. Which is something that I think at the college level, he won't, it won't affect him too much. But once he gets to the NBA, um, his lack of strength is really going to give him a disadvantage
1: there. You can get away with it in college because there's a lot of guys like him that don't go to the weight room. They don't lift or anything like that. But once you get to the NBA, there are guys like Giannis, there are guys like Anthony Davis, like you cannot get away with. Not working out in the professional league,
0: right? And uh, I remember watching The Last Dance and Michael Jordan saying that for his first couple of seasons he didn't work out either. Yeah. But uh, after falling to the Bad Boy Pistons in the playoffs and how rough they were playing, he was like, "All right, I got to put some weight on. I got to put some muscle on." Them. And he did. And he did. And then he started dominating the Bad Boy Pistons. Right. Um, Holmgren only played nine minutes. Only had two points, one or three from the field. So a bit disappointing that I didn't get to see him uh, perform at a high level last night, but right. I still think that he's going to end up being the first pick in the draft next year.
1: I think so, too. I think he, def- he has a future in the NBA, but once he gets to the NBA, he definitely has to start working out. He has to take for Michael Jordan on that one.
0: Right, absolutely. So... Logan, uh, we were talking before we came on the air, and you said that you are uh, you have a bit of a fandom for the Duke Blue Devils.
1: I do like Duke. I've, I've liked them for a while. I liked them when Seth Curry was playing, so I've always kind of like just followed them a little bit. And I'm a big Coach K guy, and it's his last season, so I definitely hope they can have a good year and send them off right.
0: Now the question is, in, a, in a, about a month's time, I think, when Duke comes to the shot to play Ohio State,
1: Definitely Ohio State. I was raised a Buckeye. There we go. I have a I have a fandom for Duke, but I don't have any like personal connection to Duke. I I am a huge Ohio State fan, all sports, any aspect. I like Ohio State. I would definitely be rooting for Ohio State.
0: Love to hear it. Absolutely love to hear it. Um, so what have you seen from Duke so far that stood out to you?
1: I think they have a lot of young guys that are playing. Let me put it this way: Duke is a program that the the players, the kids, are not there to be in college. They are there because they know that program is going to get them to the pros. Right. So I think they have a lot of players that will play very well for them this season, and they are focused on getting to the professionals, which is going to help them greatly because that means their work ethic is high. It means they're going to score a lot of points because they're trying to get their numbers up to be known for the draft.
0: Right. Currently number nine in the nation. I watched their game against Kentucky, uh, the first night of college basketball. Uh, Paolo Bancaro He's fantastic. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Kevin Durant. He had this, like, one, like, fadeaway jumper over two guys, and I was like, that looks like Kevin Durant. Yep. Um, And then Trevor Keels, who is a guard, but is big enough to play fullback in the NFL. Wow. Yeah, he he impressed me as well. Uh, Put the ball on the floor. uh, Got to the rack. uh, Can shoot as well. And I was just impressed to see a big guy with the amount of skill that he had.
1: Yeah, he's got a lot of skill, and... You're right. You don't see that in a lot of big guys. So I think that's definitely an, ass, an asset for Duke that will help them the entire season.
0: Right. And I really shouldn't say a big guy because he is a guard. But he right. looks like he could play center. if He really. He
1: probably to. could. He could play most positions on the floor if he was asked to.
0: Right. So I've already given my uh, national title prediction. Uh, I would honestly say that UCLA is my first pick. Kansas is probably my second pick. And then I'd probably say Nova is my third um, Logan, do you have any national title contenders or not winners?
1: I would say realistically, realistically, I would go with UCLA as well. Or I'd go with Gonzaga, obviously, because they're always up there. They're always a favorite. And they're the current winner. But Dark Horse, I would say that UConn makes a run.
2: Okay.
1: UConn? UConn. UConn is a pretty good program. They've been there before. I know there's it's not the same coach, not the same players, but the program has been there before, and they're hooping right now. They're 2-0. and They've been playing really well, and I think that Dark Horse, they can make a run in the tournament and make some upsets.
0: Right. Haven't quite been as relevant as they were uh, a couple years ago as of late. Right. Uh, but it'd be nice to see UConn make it back to the top. Uh, my, my problem with Gonzaga is, like, they just don't play in a good conference. No, they, they don't. They play in the West Coast, which they dominate every single year because they're just better than
1: That's why in the tournament, there's been many years where they've been very good all season and then they get knocked out early. Right. Last year was not the case, obviously, but in years past, they have proven that their conference is weak.
0: Right, and here's my thing. This is why I picked Baylor last year because Baylor plays in the Big 12, which was really good last year. And I just felt like they were going to be more battle-tested and more prepared uh, to go up against really good teams on a pretty short basis in a tournament, whereas Gonzaga wasn't. And while Gonzaga made it just one game away from winning their first national championship, it still fell short. And right. I think it is because they played such a weak conference.
1: I agree. I think that they're just not tested throughout the season. And then you get to teams like Baylor, you get to teams like Duke, you get to teams like Kentucky, and they're all tested all season. So... You may get through the tournament, but then you run into a team that is prepared for that, and you're just not. You just haven't played anybody that really prepares you for that.
0: Right, absolutely. Really excited to see what happens this year in college basketball. I'm a big college basketball guy. Um, So we'll see how this pans out. Um, We do have uh, an interview from one of our members here at SPT. Uh, Jake Mern interviewed an MMA fighter named Solomon Renfro. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you guys right now. And then when we come back, we will touch on the Cavs and what they've been doing so far this year.
3: Hello, everyone. My name is Jake Murrin, and joining me today is an 8-2 and two mixed martial artist. He was born in Cleveland but raised in Buffalo. He is a young welterweight at 24 years old, and perhaps most importantly, he now calls himself a Dana White's Contender Series alum. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me is the one and only King Solomon, the Black Dragon Renfro. Thanks for coming on today, Solomon.
2: Uh, thanks a million for having me, brother. Thanks a million.
3: Let's really dive into your origin story. I'm always inspired by fighters and their origin story. How they got into mixed martial arts. Every story is unique and sometimes inspiring. What brought you into the mixed martial arts landscape? Or, in other words, how did you open the door to your first gym and decide that this was going to be what you revolve your life around?
2: Um. Honestly, when I was younger, as a kid, my dad used to do martial arts, and I was kind of just born into combat sports. Um, my first memory is, like, of a boxing glove. That's the first memory that I have in my mind, man, it's crazy. So, uh, at at a young age, my dad got started training me up, you know, a little bit, uh, started teaching me some moves. And then uh, I got into boxing at about six. That's when I, like, really, like, started to remember, you know. Like, so, about six years old, um, I remember put on some boxing gloves and uh, just training, like that's when I first remember training. I was in the gym and stuff before that. I know I was, and I have like a bunch of random memories. Like you know, you're a kid, you don't remember much, but you kind of remember where you were, you know. Right. And the thing that I think out the most to me is like being in the gym. Um. So I know I was around it, and also because my dad did it, and a lot of his friends trained. You know. So um, I was kind of just born into it, but I, I felt I fell in love with it um at around six years old, just getting better at something and, you know, knowing that there's something to get better at, feeling like there's, like, a purpose, you know? It just all made sense for me. Um, so I I guess I was kind of born into it. Uh, I boxed from about 6 to 12, like, very often. And then uh, when I turned about 10, though, I tried to play football. And uh, I got really good at football. And so once I got to high school, um I stopped fighting. Like I stopped boxing. I stopped. Well, middle school. I stopped boxing. High school. I stopped fighting completely. Um, and I just focused on football. I was in Buffalo. We went to Canisius High School. But as I was playing football, I just remember thinking to myself a lot of times when we lost games, something bad happened. I'd be like, "Man, this wasn't my fault. Like I did my best, you know. Like I hate depending on other people and losing, you know. At the same time, there's that camaraderie thing, you know, but." We didn't lose often, but when we did lose, it was never because of me, you know? And also, I hurt my leg playing football. Um, Someone missed a block, and I got hit really bad, and they, like, missed the block bad. And I remember being so angry at, like, the fact that I had to depend on somebody else to protect me, you know? Yeah. And I didn't like that feeling. So, it kind of drove me back to uh, combat sports slowly, but surely. And then I was thinking to myself at the same time, I was like, I can't really call myself the best fighter in the world if I'm only boxing, you know? Because then someone can take me down and beat me up. Because I wrestled in high school, so I know, you know, I know what can happen to a boxer. You know, you can take him down, beat him up, and then it's pretty much over. So it it pushed me more towards MMA, and I guess the rest is all scripture.
3: So this term, the Renfro era, is something that you have created and you publicize on social media and also encourage fans to follow as well. What does the Renfro era mean to you?
2: Uh, The Renfro era to me is uh, me taking over the UFC uh point blank period. You know, I feel like to have an honestly see in a whole package like myself. Um I can I can do everything and even in my last fight I didn't really show everything that I could do, which I'm kinda of mad at myself. But, you know, I feel like I'm I'm a whole package. I am a whole new era of fighter that they haven't seen yet. You know, I'm I'm a little bit of everything that they feel like the people love. You know, I can wrestle I can throw a million punches if I need to. I can also throw great kicks. I speak well, speak very well, you know, I got the swagger. I got the look. I'm a young African-American kid, you know, that comes from nothing. I'm the American dream.
3: Let's get into the actual Dana White's Contender Series appearance. First off, what was it like being in Las Vegas, competing the Apex, and showing what you have to offer to Dana White and the matchmakers?
2: Um, it was pretty dope, man. It was, it was pretty dope. It was like a dream come true in a way. You know, I was there. I remember after weigh-ins, uh, like, you know, when it's fight week and you're training for the fight, you're just focused on getting there, getting there, getting there. And then when it's time to make weight, you just focus on making weight, you know. But after weigh-ins, going went back in my room, I took that shower, and I, like, almost, not almost, I did. I, like, I started, like, crying, man, because I was, like, so happy to finally, you know, be here. The wake-up with something that I could actually focus on the fight, and that's, that's what I love to do is fight. So, uh, it, it you um, know, it was definitely a great moment in my life. It, it definitely was. I feel like ruined in a way, but not 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 so much because everyone still got to see what I, I had to offer. I'm um, of what I had to offer. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it had its highs and lows, but it was definitely a big big moment in my life, and I'm I'm very grateful for the experience.
3: Yeah, like you said, a dream come true, definitely. Uh, what were you? So you said you you were even crying in a way. What were you feeling going into the fight? Were you more nervous? competing for the UFC contract, or are you more excited to show everyone what you got?
2: Uh, I was more excited to just win win the fight and get into the UFC. I wasn't really, like, nervous. I do a good job of, like, staying calm, and, like, I snow roses before the fights and stuff, and, and it just helps me stay calm, literally. And if you were, when have back back, they might have actually have pictures of me. I was actually, like, taking a nap, like, what I'm saying, about 40 minutes before I had to actually fight. 'Cause they woke me up and told me I had to start warming up. Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. So, <laughs> so when
3: other contender series fights were happening, you were in the back sleeping.
2: I was yeah, I was like I actually got up like right when the first fight was happening. Um, I was like starting okay. waking up and, you know, stretching and stuff. But yeah, I, I was I was backstage sleeping. All right. Once again,
3: talking with Solomon Renfro. Going into the actual fight, I actually want to break this down. So you fought Johnny Parsons at welterweight, and the result of the fight was a split decision in favor of Parsons. Now, I know the answer, but I want to hear you talk about it. Do you agree with this decision? Um,
2: no. I mean, I, I feel like I won the fight. Um, only thing I can say that, like, you know, I, I can say that I, I wish I did better with myself so? was, um, you know, go forward a little bit more in those last few rounds. But honestly, I feel like I won the fight. I didn't even show everything I had to offer. Like, a- after the first round, I thought I broke I thought I thought broke my thumb. Um, I thought I broke my left thumb. So I wasn't really throwing as much as my left hand, if you watch it. And my I, mean, I wasn't shooting actual takedowns. I was just kind of, like, grabbing. But I wasn't really shooting good takedowns. And when I was going back to my corner in the second round, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, yo, if I fail this, like... This has to be bad, you know, because in a fight, you, you got adrenaline pumping, you don't really feel anything. But uh, I guess the judge saw otherwise. So, I mean, we know I did it. We saw the stats. Yes, and I have
3: them pulled up right here. So, significant strikes by round. In the first round, you outstruck them 43 to 15, and you put them down twice. I mean, the fight could have been called, um, but I, I guess it was a good decision to keep it going. And then round number two, you outstruck them 19 to 17, and you also scored a takedown with a minute left. And then in round three, you also outstruck him 36 to 19. So wide margins in round one and two, throw the takedown into round two. I mean, you can argue that you won all three rounds, but at least two. At least two. So have you gone back to watch the fight at all? And if so, how many times? Whether it's to critique your performance, Uh, develop into a better fighter.
2: Yeah, as soon as I got home, I watched the fight. As soon as I got back to the hotel, I started watching the fight. I watched it, like, five times. I was like, man, like, I was really depressed at first, you know. And then uh, I watched it again the next day, and I watched it again the next day. I actually watched it every day. And <laughs> actually, now that i think thinking about it, I actually watched it every day. It's been a week since then. And, uh, you know, the more I watch it, I, I'm, I'm critiquing myself more and more and figuring out, you know, what I could have done better. Um, but when I originally watched it, my first thought was, okay, you know, I – I was going backwards a lot. And maybe that's why they said that. But then I watched it again, and I was like, there yeah. ain't no way, man. You know, like
3: you only have so, to watch about two and a half minutes into the first round to see what you
2: did. And also not to mention, bro, um, I spit my tooth out in that fight. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but if you go on their coach's page, you see the tooth on the ground, I spit my tooth out and like didn't even show nothing. I feel like I should be signed in the first quarter of 2022.
3: Bold statement there. You don't want a contender series. You want to do you want a fight one more, maybe two more times and then get signed? Or do you think you should just be signed right away?
2: Um, I'm going to fight as much as I got to fight till I get signed. I'm actually booking a fight for sometime in December, either either sometime, either December 7th or December 17th. I'm not sure what date yet, but I'm going to be knocking somebody out one of those days. And I'm going to go after I win the fight. I'm going to go on the microphone and, like, you know, scream my Dana. and be like, yo, let's go get my opportunity come on, bro, I'm, I'm hungry. It, it, it happens, you know, to, to the best. And uh, I'm one of the best, and this is going to help make my story even more inspirational for people. And that's it.
3: Yeah, if it wasn't already inspirational as it is. Well, I know this most recent fight was not ideal, or at least the decision wasn't. Uh, the best news, though, Solomon, is that you're only 24, and I'm sure we will all see you again in the UFC with a contract, whether that is... Just being signed or going on the contender series again in the Renfro era will be more than upon us. Exactly. I love
2: how you put that, my brother. Thank you very much. We will win.
3: Yes, we will win. And thanks again for joining me, Solomon. I appreciate you taking the time and coming on and showing love to the area that you started off
2: at. Always all love, man. Thank you guys for having me.
3: All right, so that was King Solomon, the Black Dragon Renfro, and once again from WZIP, my name is Jake Marin.